my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My mother, Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Well, for the Gospel of the Feast of the Epiphany, we read how when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the wise men came from the east, and they came to Jerusalem with the lost sight of the star, asking, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. These are mysterious men following a mysterious star, his star, we're told. This star in some way belongs to you, Lord. And is really guiding them, traveling with them, not just far off in the distant sky, but following in front of them, because later we're told that, that when they set out again, the star went before them till it came to rest over the place where the child was. So, again, this star is not some distant, distant star, but something very, very much right in front of them. In some way, it is, would seem to be a more a, of a miraculous thing than a comet or something like that. And this star leads the first pagans who see Jesus and worship Jesus, leads them to the very house in Bethlehem. And these pagans, mysterious magi or wise men, we're, we're told that they, they do not come in a kind of dutiful way. When they see the star, they were told that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. In some translations it just says things like joyfully, which is a terrible flattening of the, the original, because the original precisely says that, that they rejoiced with an exceedingly great joy. So it's, it's really uh, emphasizing the, the extraordinary joy of these men when finally they came to their destination. God has implanted in all men and women, all of us, this tremendous desire for God. And, and the Feast of the Epiphany is a reminder to us of this. Nothing else but Christ will really satisfy us, really fill our hearts. All other delights give us only a very temporary, a very temporary joy, a very passing, which in some ways is not a joy at all. If not an eternal joy, well, can we really say that it's uh, the kind of joy that we're looking for? We are looking for essentially an infinite joy. And that's what these men spy when the star comes to rest over your house, Lord, in Bethlehem. Now, of course, these Magi didn't see Christ in person when they were off in the east in Persia or wherever it is. They had to be guided there. And God used a star, this mysterious star, his star. And this star did its work, you could say, very well. 
And also it was absolutely essential, as far as we can see, they would never have got there without following this star. This reminds me of something that the late Pope Benedict, our beloved Pope Emeritus, says in Space Salvi. He writes about Our Lady and, and her advocation as Star of the Sea. And he says, with a hymn composed in the 8th or 9th century, thus for over a thousand years, the Church has greeted Mary, the Mother of God, as Star of the Sea, Ave Maris Stella. Human life is a journey. Towards what destination? How do we find the way? Life is like a journey on the sea of history, often dark and stormy, a voyage in which we watch for the stars that indicate the route, the true stars of our life, or the people who have lived good lives. They are lights of hope. Of course, reading this, especially these days, soon after the funeral of Pope Benedict, we think of uh, Joseph Ratzinger himself. What a star he was. And he continues to be, of course, in the example of his life, in his holiness, in his writings. A great star for so many people, guiding them to Jesus Christ, countless souls. And he is saying that, that the true stars of our life are the people who have lived good lives. They are lights of hope. Stars in very often dark and stormy skies, pointing the way, leading people, as they did that star, your star, Lord, lead the Magi to you in Bethlehem. And so, of course, we think, Lord, you use me, each one of us, as this star. And I suppose naturally we will say, who me? And we have to hear our Lord saying to us, yes, you, little old you. You are that star. You are that star, almost whether you like it or not, you are the star guiding other people to Christ. Christ uses you if you are living, trying to live a good life. You are, as Pope Benedict puts it, a light of hope. Because in that dark sky, perhaps these days more than perhaps ever, the sky is very dark for people. There's no point of reference. And they've no hope. They've no hope of really living a good life until they see a person a person in their family, a friend perhaps, who is trying to really live a good life, to follow Christ, to be a Christian. And that this person then is a light of hope for those others who otherwise there would be nothing. You imagine a sky devoid of, of stars, just a dark, dark, dark sky. But there, as, as long as there's this one star, even one, guiding them. And so, let's not say, who me? Let's hear our Lord saying, yes, you are that star, even though you might think you're not no great shakes. But still, 
And it's a star, it doesn't have to be very big, it just has to be visible in that sky, visible and, and guiding them, giving hope to these people. And there's no doubt also that people encounter a lot of evil in their lives in one way or another. We go back to the Magi, and we see how they quite innocently, you might say even naively, get involved with King Herod in Jerusalem. Now, King Herod, when you read about King Herod, Herod the Great, as he's called, he was uh, some piece of work, killed his own wife, Mariamne, killed various of his sons, not to mention countless other people. He was a, a, a terrible, terrible tyrant, a real savage, and especially when it came to protecting his kingship. And so it was, in a certain sense, perhaps unfortunate that the Magi passed through Jerusalem. But God still used that encounter, in fact, in a strange way, to, to, um, to point them on the way towards Bethlehem. We're told, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what, star that, what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Such weasel, weasel words from this man, um, feigning, feigning piety, how awful, feigning this piety that he too wants to go and worship, worship the child. He knows from what they say that this child should be worshipped is divine and yet he doesn't give it a second thought the only thought that fills his heart is to kill this child he's already plotting how to do it quite astounding really and, and that is the evil that these good men again in certain certain naivety these good men from the east get mixed up with in in, in jerusalem and it does make us think well friends of ours family of ours they do, and we ourselves, of course, we do encounter sometimes bold evil, just kind of, and without perhaps realizing, but terrible, terrible evil. And there is, there's, we cannot doubt it, there is true evil in this world. And again, we see it nestling in our own hearts, as Sanzenitsin very wisely observes that the line separating good from, good from evil doesn't go between one nation and another, one race and another, one class and another. It goes, it passes down through the heart of each human being. So in other words, there is evil nestling in all of us, original sin. And yet, as Pope Benedict says, there is no shadow, however dark, that can obscure Christ's light that light of Christ, which overcomes that terrible evil is stronger, infinitely stronger, than any evil, even the evil of some, some maniac like Herod. But nothing in comparison, even with the power of this small infant who can get around it and, and uh, outfox Herod even. So it makes us think that people do encounter this and get in an all maybe naivety at times, that they encounter evil and that you and me, God uses us as that light, point of reference, even from something that we, we might say. Uh, recently, 
and there was a and, 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 and people giving testimony to the to the impact of Pope Benedict on their lives and uh, one person I think it was um, worked worked in the BBC but he um, was very struck by the by Pope Benedict's inaugural homily if you remember his inaugural homily of his own papacy he he spoke of the very fact that that we were not arbitrary products uh, as our Lord says and as, as sorry as Pope Benedict says in Space Alvi itself we're not just arbitrary products of evolution just bits of matter but each one of us is is willed and loved by God and 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 while later this man his his, his wife conceived uh, a child who turned out was Down syndrome and the medics in the hospital were were kind of insinuating, perhaps quite strongly, that really the the, the 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 wife should undergo an abortion, and this man remembered, remember what Pope Benedict had said about we're not arbitrary products of evolution, but each one of us willed and loved by God, and he and he thought well this applies to this child, and uh, he he resisted the pressure of those doctors they. The, his wife had the child. The, the child didn't survive very long, but but he was delighted. He was delighted that they brought this this child of God into the world for a brief life here to, to be followed by an eternal life hereafter. And it was all because of the, the, that truth said so beautifully by Pope Benedict. It struck him, struck him so forcibly. It's amazing that again, there's that an example of of the power of of the light, a witness to the truth, the, the truth of of the the value of each one of us, and this resonated with this man, and and it had that impact on him so so strongly. Whatever it was, several years afterwards, when when that child was conceived, love is stronger than evil. Again, this feast day reminds us of that, the epiphany, the manifestation of this. A small child who looks so small and helpless and powerless and, and yet all the power of God is in that little child but not just in that little child but also in the star you me that has the ability and even though we might feel we're no great shakes but still has the ability to guide people to Christ we're very grateful perhaps a good day for thank you Lord well look Lord thank you that you have made me an instrument to guide you or guide others to you uh, despite my own weaknesses and my own miseries and yet I, I am for, for some people at least that star, that star in their sky. Finally going back to what happens next when the Magi go in to that house in Bethlehem, because this is a little while later, it's a while after the birth of our Lord. And um, so it's not as we kind of traditionally perceive, the Magi visiting the, the, the cave or the stable. It does seem to actually now in a, in a house, and it's perhaps a good while after, some months at least, after the birth of Jesus. But when they saw the star, we're told, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. 
interesting, there's no mention of St. Joseph. Some people theorize that St. Joseph perhaps had gone back to Nazareth to do some things, tie up some loose ends, since they would be staying in Bethlehem for a while. Um, and um, maybe perhaps on his way back, because of course he's going to hear very soon that revelation in, the, in his dream about the danger now faced by the child. But interesting, they, they, they see the child with Mary, his mother, and they fall down and worship him. It's very striking that the word, the word used here is the famous proskinesis. Proskinesis, which is a, a, an act of, of prostration or adoring in one way. It could be a bow, it could be a full prostration. And we know there is a full prostration because we're told that they fell down. They fell down, it wasn't just a bow. They fall down, prostrating themselves, we can imagine, before the child and doing this, this act of proskinesis, adoration of this child as divine. Really, really quite something. They, offer, they then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Something that's quite striking here is the very fact that how natural, how natural it is for these men who, well, up to now at least, have been pagans. They, they, they certainly, they're not Jews, they're not, they're not part of the chosen people. And yet it's so natural for them to come. There's no question. They find the child with her lady. And, and it's the most natural thing in the world. They know. And, and, and it's being revealed to them and, and, and through the star and however God is speaking to them in the, in the stars and what they understand. But they understand clearly this is, this is a divine child and, and that they prostrate themselves and, and offer their gifts. How much joy it gives them to do this. It's not, they're not forcing themselves to do this. And it is a reminder to us, we, all of us, all men and women, young and old, we ultimately are made for the worship of God. In that, we arrive at our perfection. In the worship or adoration of God, not in, not in a kind of servile way. We Sometimes we imagine it in, in that kind of servile way um, or just kind of external way, singing hymns or externally going to mass or some ceremonies. It is adoration, adoration, which actually has in, in built in there the idea of a kiss that comes from the Latin ad and os to the mouth, a kiss. So an adoration is a kiss, an adoring kiss, you could say. And the kiss of adoration is when we realize this person, this object, is worthy of adoration. People, unfortunately, have adored and worshipped, and we do at times, perhaps, the wrong kinds of things. Well, that's happened from, from, from the very beginning. Incorrect adoration, in a sense that we give our heart to the wrong thing. And that, is a, that becomes the, what we call, of course, an idol. We idolize something which, which is not God. It could be money, career, health, a personal health, a fitness. could be external things like the state or politics, the nation. And these become these 
false idols, which in a certain sense eventually always turn around and, as it were, almost take their vengeance on us for adoring them. The false, the idol, the false god, in a certain sense will always turn out to be a tyrant and will take out, exact its revenge on us for that, for that idolization of it. And this is a great tragedy because since we are made to worship and if we don't know the correct thing to worship or we refuse to worship the correct thing, person, God, well then we, we, we worship the wrong things. And those idols always turn out to be cruel idols and deceptive and, and eventually, eventually at some stage, the deception is unmasked. And we realized, oh my gosh, I've had a false God here the whole time, a cruel God. And what a shock then when we realize that the idol was not worthy of our worship. In there, the, the etymology of the word worship comes from an old Saxon word for worthiness. It is, it is worthy, a person worthy of our adoration, of our proskinesis, of our prostrating ourselves with so many things that are unworthy of it. Again, personal idols, money, status, uh, fitness, um, wealth, all these things are, are false idols. The one person that we have to we have to we have to worship and is worthy of our worship is, is Jesus Christ. And 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 we have to recognize as the three wise men do that he is God. He's worthy of our giving him everything. And as they do, there are these these magi give Jesus these wonderful gifts, very exotic gifts, the the gold, frankincense and myrrh. Very expensive. We can imagine actually in large quantities of these gifts that they have brought all the way from Persia, wherever it is, to present to this divine, this God, and they present their gifts there and then. It's a lovely sign of of adoration. We give God our very best. Um, their gifts are an expression of this. An expression that. You are worthy of us, Lord, giving you our very best, our whole life, our heart. One writer puts it quite nicely. Today, the Magi encounter crying in the crib. That person that they sought shining in the stars. Today, the Magi contemplate clearly in Nabis, him who they looked patiently for in the stars. The three kings had their star. We, says Saint Rosemaria, we have Mary, star of the sea, star of the east. We say to her today, Holy Mary, star of the sea, morning star, help your children. Our zeal for souls must know no frontiers, for no one is excluded from Christ's love. The great reminder, and today's feast is a great reminder. People, whether they know it or not, are seeking Jesus Christ. You and I, 
for all our shortcomings and our defects and all these things, you and I, we know Jesus Christ. Could we know him better? Of course. But we do know him. That's why we're praying to him now. We're talking to him. We do know him. And, and we can, in our little way, show people the way, guide them, our friends, family, guiding them patiently as well. In a certain sense, almost that the star is very patient in its work of guiding, disappears for a little while, for whatever reason, then reappears, filling the Magi with this delight. And then once the work is done, well, it's gone. We have to see ourselves doing that, that you, Lord, for whatever reason, have chosen me to be a star for this person, that person, this family member, that friend, that colleague that, that I am leading them to fill them with joy because this is what they're made for, finding you, adoring you, and giving them the very best that they have. Let us ask Our Lady, Star of the East, Stella Orientis, help us to be like she was, the star that God wants us to be. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.